0: Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in?
1: In the end It is caught for the win. Pressure. Pass is picked off. And who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Packs, which she said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, in dreary, raining Wisconsin, joined by Perry Goldstein, who is in sunny and beautiful Arizona. And we will be recapping the 2022 NFL Draft for this week's show. So before we dive into the Packers picks, Perry, how are you doing on vacation in the sunshine? Sunburn, but good. <laughs> yeah, I would feel for sunburn.
1: Fifty M um, SPF is still not helping out my pale New York skin in this Arizona sun, but I can't complain because it's been lovely.
0: Yeah, I looking at myself on Streamyard right now feel like a ghost. Um, I don't know when I'll see the sun again, potentially never. I don't think that we get that anymore in Wisconsin, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about all of the new prospects coming to green Bay, where they are also experiencing some not great weather, but I guess maybe before we dive into the picks themselves, did you have like a holistic takeaway from the draft? Was it what you expected? Were there any major curve balls that Goody threw? Um, and just overall your takeaway, like if you had to give this draft class a grade before you even um, see them on, on the field.
1: I really love what the Packers did this draft class, and I think they did break some patterns. I think the first round in particular, rounds two through seven were very in line, um, but I think the first two picks really surprised me just because the Packers obviously have not valued inside linebacker that high. And we talked about this ad nauseum leading up to the draft, like there's no way. And then of course with pick 22, they, they take Quay Walker inside linebacker. Same with Devontae Wyatt, less so um, from a positional standpoint, but just age. Um, but then you look at his relative athletic score and it just kind of makes a little bit more sense. But other than that, I thought the Packers knocked it out of the park. Um, they took, couple offensive linemen which is very in line with them at various levels they took three wide receivers so I'm really excited I think as I dive into these guys I see the potential for multiple rookies to make an immediate impact on this team and uh, I think we'll dive into them individually but uh, curious how you felt after
0: that reaction yeah I mean I understood I guess a little bit of the surprise on night one when the Packers took an inside linebacker and a defensive lineman. But, I also appreciated them staying true to their board and not reaching because we saw after the first initial run on wide receivers, it's not like there were other wide receivers going in the twenties that the Packers just missed on. It didn't feel like 2020 when the Packers would trade up and then it was Jalen Rieger and Justin Jefferson and all these receivers going directly in front of them where it felt like maybe they could have moved around. I felt like they stood pat to what they wanted the entire time and knew that the guy that they wanted specifically Watson would be there for them on day two. So I really liked this strategy from the Packers, and I think it kind of emphasizes just the direction the team is going long term. I think it set them up mm-hmm. to be competitive now. You know, you're adding on to key pieces that will just enhance your defense, but it sets them up for success long term. We're talking about Devondre Campbell having a five year contract, Quay Walker has a fifth year option now as a first round pick. You could kind of transition that to having Quay Walker be your second contract long-term starter at the position once Campbell leaves, which I know is a really long-term thought, but that's kind of what the Packers have historically used their first round yeah. picks for. We've yes. seen them do it. So yeah, let's just dive into Quay. You know, he's the the second of three first round picks from the Packers out of Georgia in the last two seasons at obviously a position that we didn't expect the Packers to take, at inside linebacker, but what were some initial thoughts you had either right when the selection was made or now that you've had time to kind of watch him a little bit more closely? So I did
1: a, a little bit of a deep dive for Packaday with Andy, and we looked at Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, and Koi Walker. And when I was looking at all three, I think my initial reaction was Devin Lloyd is a freak athlete and if he's there at 22 I'd love for the Packers to take him obviously he was there at 22 and they didn't take him um Nekobi Dean obviously is I mean incredible sideline to sideline speed was, was the leader of the defense at Georgia just never fit the Packers mold of the type of players they like to draft and so I wasn't surprised that they went with Quay Walker over him um now Quay to me and I think you bring up a amazing point, the Packers have Devondre Campbell, right? So they have their every down linebacker, their leader of the defense. Quay doesn't need to come in and be that person. And I think that's going to end up being a good thing, right? The Packers can ease him into this defense. They can use him in probably a lot of situations um, depending on what kind of like coverage ability he has, but he doesn't need to be the guy right away, which I think is perfect for him and his development. Um, especially being with a vet like Devondre Campbell. So I did feel like it was a little bit of a reach. They obviously had a higher grade on him than most people did. Um, but again, he's a really, really solid player. And I think he fills a very obvious need because Chris Barnes is a great player, but behind Devondre Campbell, that inside linebacker room is is pretty thin. So to get the kind of athlete like Quay Walker is, I mean, you look at, him 966 relative athletic score like he's right in that area that the Packers love to draft really early on is in the first round they they basically take traits right like really yeah. athletic high ceiling traits and that's exactly what he is um, so I think he's walking into a really perfect situation with the Packers.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm not sure if the Packers would use a first round pick on special teams, but I did think it was interesting when I was kind of going through his profile that in 2018, he was part of the team's special teams newcomer of the year award. It was a joint award that he won with additional players. And I don't know if he could have that role early, you know, as kind of a special teams ace for the Packers and Rich Passaccia, it would be nice, but it did seem like the Packers emphasized a lot of players that could kind of play across um their teams, whether it was special teams, offense, or defense. And I, I I do think, you know, that he'll he'll see the field quite a bit. I think that he brings the Packers, you know, a little bit of, you know, a chess piece for Joe Barry as far as what they're looking at in sub packages, whether they want to commit to nickel or dime or have two inside linebackers on the field. He's athletic enough that he can get sideline to sideline and kind of do it all, which is what they already had in Devondre, which is I think really exciting to think about having a second Devondre in the middle of the defense just opens them up, you know, to different rushing uh schemes and just different dropback scenarios for the team. So I really like the pick. I agree with you though. I mean, I think it was interesting because he was initially being talked about as like a a mid-day two kind of prospect. And it's definitely not the kind of reach that the Patriots had with, with Strange, but You know, I thought kind of the week leading up to the draft, he was really starting to ascend draft boards and get into that late first round conversation. And everybody was emphasizing N'Kobe Dean. And I think, you know, for me personally, when I watched the Georgia tape, I was always like, okay, well, well, who's this Walker guy? You know, like he jumps out at you just as much as Dean does because of some of that raw athletic ability. So. I, I think that, you know, if maybe if Wyatt was the pick at 22 and Walker was the pick at 28, we wouldn't feel that way. It wouldn't have felt like a reach. Um, but clearly the Packers were, you know, as high on him as they were to make him the pick at 22, even after knowing, you know, Goody said that they thought they would miss out on Wyatt, um, not taking him at 22. So the fact that they got him then at 28, what were your thoughts on the Wyatt pick?
1: Yeah. So before we switch over to, to Wyatt, I um, I just want to say a couple of things about, about Walker about kind of responding to you is Mm -hmm. I, I do think it's interesting when you look at the top three picks and if you switched around the orders, maybe people would feel differently about them, which I think is kind of a moot point at at this stage, like they're taken. Right. And so you sure. The difference here is you get the fifth year options on Wyatt and Walker and you don't get that on Christian Watson. But other than that, like they took, really, really high ceiling athletic football players that are going to bring a lot. And I have been wondering, and we've touched on this a little bit on the show, and I think it's worth noting now that we've seen how much the Packers have invested now in inside linebacker. I do wonder, you know, bringing in Joe Barry, where that's his position group, that that's his bread and butter, how much influence he's had on those decisions and probably in a good way, right? Like the Packers saw what the Buccaneers defense and those inside linebackers were able to do against them in 2020 and kind of where the league is is going with the position in general. Now they have a defensive coordinator who actually knows what to do and how to develop them. So I do think it's really exciting. And, and to your point about special teams, um, if you look at some of uh, Quay's stats in college, just his tackling ability, his tackles for a loss. You know, he had three passes defensed in 2021. There's, there's just a lot of things that you can see really translatable um, to the special teams kind of unit too. So, would love to see him kind of plug himself into to Rich Basaccia's unit. But um, Devontae Wyatt's an interesting one for me. I, I think I have mixed feelings about it simply because some of his off the field stuff makes you know sends alarms in my head but I trust the Packers enough that they did their due diligence on a player and um, they're never going to bring anybody in that they feel like is going to continue to be an issue also how much trouble is there to get into in Green Bay Um, so setting that aside I mean obviously like the second best defensive lineman in this draft next to his counterpart jordan davis at georgia so amazing pick to get him at 28 he getting kenny clark help has been i think a mantra for packers fans for years now right is putting someone next to him who can really plug holes and run stuff and potentially rush rush the passer as well or even just allow kenny and the outside linebackers to rush the passer because he takes up so much space and i think Devontae wyatt is perfect for that um and, you know, again, nine six three 6 score. We're seeing a trend here. It's not that surprising. Um, so I'm really, really excited about him. I am not surprised all the Packers double dipped at defense. Like you mentioned, the run on wide receivers kind of led that to happen in the first round, but he's going to be, he's going to be a problem. I think this defensive front is going to be a real problem.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's almost like this is the draft class that we would have wanted in 2021 and we're getting it a year late. And that's not to discredit Eric Stokes, but if we're looking at like, you know, where maybe we thought that the team needs were, I think last year we could have could have thought, okay, the Packers are going to take an inside linebacker, maybe they'll take a defensive lineman, and they'll take a wide receiver. Well, the Packers didn't do any of that last year early and then, you know, they have a, a extremely successful season with Eric Stokes and some of the other players in that 2021 class, adding guys like Devonder Campbell and free agency still have a really successful year. And then this year they kind of bulk up at a lot of those, those spots. Um, It's interesting to talk about the defensive line going from honestly, one of the weakest links on the team to potentially one of the rooms with the most depth. I mean, now we're looking at Kenny Clark, obviously Dean Lowry had his best season as a Packer in 2021 the Packers brought in Jaron Reed in free agency, and he's a really nice rotational piece. He's not going to be an every-down guy, uh, but then you bring in Devontae Wyatt, who is also you know an ascending rotational piece for that defense. You've got TJ Slayton, who you know is hoping to take a second-year jump, and all of a sudden, it's almost like you have too many pieces to try and fit. So I think that's really exciting, especially obviously losing Cedarius Smith. We'll talk about the other edge rusher that the Packers picked up in just a little bit, but you've got Rashawn Gary, you've got Preston Smith and the versatility of all of those guys in that front seven, I think becomes really enticing.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned some holes, you know, the Packers run defense for so long was their, you know, Achilles heel almost. And now you're looking at all these big bodies who not only can rush the passer, but can also stop the run. And I think pass rush ability actually might be something like Devontae Wyatt needs to work on, um because you know he only had two and a half sacks last year at Georgia that's just not what he was asked to do and part of me thinks also when evaluating some of these Georgia players like when your unit as a whole is as good no wonder if like one person can't be a star because all 11 are just working so well so I am curious to see how each of them do when they when they leave the the nest of the Georgia defense <laughs> if you will if that makes sense but Again, like he doesn't need to be that this first year, like you said, there are so many players around him that can help him and he can bring, you know, his big body and his run stuffing ability. And that's, again, something the Packers have needed, I think, for a really long time.
0: Yeah. So let's dive into round two. Then the Packers finally got their wide receiver. And I think it's interesting, uh, you know, that initial reports had kind of come out that the Packers liked Watson enough to trade up to pick 32, try and secure that fifth year option with him. And the Vikings said, absolutely not. We're not letting you get cheap talent for one extra year and then made the same trade uh, two picks later and let the Packers move up to number 34. But Finally, the Packers took their wide receiver. It just it felt poetic for it to be in the second round, right? You've got Jordy, you've got Devontae. It had to be a second rounder. And it's funny because James Jones comps Christian Watson to Jordy Nelson. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe they have another Jordy in their midst.
1: I knew it was gonna be in the second round. There was no way. Like it just you're right. It is poetic. It's perfect. I am thrilled. I think Christian Watson is one of the best receivers in this class. I'm really glad the Packers didn't trade up for Mm -hmm. one of the first round guys to go from 22, you know, Chris Olave was taken at 11. So to move up that much into the teens, to give up that much capital, especially seeing what they were able to do with all of that draft capital in the later rounds, which we'll get to, I'm really glad they didn't give up more because there was no point because they got their guy. They packaged both their second round picks they moved up to 34 and they got Christian Watson, who's now going to be, you know, the number one. And I think he's sliding into the perfect position, obviously with the reigning back-to-back MVP. I think what Matt LaFleur is going to be able to do with him and his skill set and what he was able to do at NDSU is going to be really translatable. Um, That's what I thought when I watched some of his college tape. I just thought, wow, I could see this happening like straight into the Packers offense and I listened to his um, post-draft presser and again, just an all-around very good dude, like a a good locker room presence. And if you're looking for this person to step in as your number one as a rookie, of course there are vets in the room, right? Cobb being number one in my mind, you don't have to be the leader, but he's going to have to grow into that eventually. And you can see why the Packers fell in love with him as a whole package.
0: Yeah, and I, I wish I could remember who had said it. It was on, I think, day three of the draft coverage, but they were talking about the Packers and the way that the first couple of rounds shook out for them. And I again, I wish I knew who said it, but somebody made the point of, like, we have to just give the Packers credit. It might have been Daniel Jeremiah. There's some teams that are just so good at scouting specific positions, and they know that the guys they want will always be there it wouldn't be the Packer way to take a wide receiver in the first round and reach or trade up. That's not something that they've ever done. It's not something that we likely will ever see them do. Instead, they'll stay pat, take the guy that's on their board. And yes, they had to move up. They they clearly liked Watson enough to give up both of their second rounders to move up and get him. But that's, that's what the Packers do. It's the same way that they always find great offensive linemen on day three. Some scouts, in certain personnel teams are just really, really good at finding certain players. It's like, you know, the Steelers also have a really good history of wide receivers. There's a lot of swings and a lot of misses in the draft. And I think the Packers have shown that they can be trusted with taking wide receivers in the second round. Yep, I
1: completely agree. And I, I think you don't just reach to appease the masses either. Like yeah. the Packers don't care about your national media fodder that they haven't taken a first-round receiver. First of all, there wasn't a stud in this class there wasn't a jamar chase there wasn't a justin jefferson like there wasn't a stud to even reach up for a lot of these first round picks you could maybe make the case it was chris Olave. but again you're not jumping from 22 to 11 and giving up so much future capital on this one potential guy they moved up into the second round they got someone who at the end of the day and i think aaron Rodgers said this perfectly actually when he was on pat At the end of the day all the all that needs to happen is this guy needs to hit It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if he gets taken in the first round or the second round. Samori Touré could be, you know, the next um, Donald Driver in the seventh round. It it doesn't matter anymore where they get taken. What matters is that they fit scheme-wise and they develop into a player that works with their quarterback and with their head coach. And I just think that Christian Watson is that player for the Packers. And I wish that the conversation around that pick would change because what's the difference between 32 and 34?
0: Right, exactly, and it's the the only difference is that you maybe would got would have had that fifth year option, which you know would have been nice. But again, the Packers will make it work. They're not in a position right now, um, that they're in desperation mode. And I I like the way that this wide receiver room is constructed. It it follows the same trend that we saw with Quay Walker and Devonte Wyatt. Packers went out and got Sammy Watkins. You know, and I don't want to say he's not a lock to make the roster, but it feels very funches esque where we just don't know what'll happen. The Packers did their due diligence, they brought in a vet, they've already got Randall Cobb as a vet, they've got Alan Lazard returning. I think there's room for these guys, but Romeo uh, Dobbs is one of my favorite players in this entire class. I'm so excited about what he can do. So I just think that, you know, this this position group, while it's relatively unproven, there's a lot to really like about all the different roles that Matt LaFleur can find for some of these guys. Absolutely. Yeah. So should we move on to round three and then kind of kick it off with, you know, the rest of, of day three. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we had Sean Ryan, the offensive lineman out of UCLA, uh, pick number 92. And this one's really interesting to me. You and I had thought the Packers were going to look at offensive linemen, potentially two, maybe even three. And the Packers of course, went with three, every lineman, I guess we can kind of bundle them together if you're okay with that. Every lineman that they took, was a left tackle in college. And that just is the peak Packers brand. You always take a left tackle and then convert them wherever you need them at the NFL level. So they had Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. And then in the seventh round, which this one surprised me that he, he slipped all the way there, was Rasheed Walker from Penn State. So three really big athletic offensive linemen. And all of them have the potential to play tackle. I don't know if all of them will compete there. I think some guys project better as a guard, but... Offensive line is turning into a really crowded spot here. If they're talking about best five for Adam Senevich,
1: yeah, and that's a good problem to have. Yeah. So we see how injuries. I mean, we we saw it last year, right? At at some point, the Packers were without their two best offensive linemen, in David Bakhtiari and Alton Jenkins. So you need to have these guys in that room to step up. I completely agree. You you talked about it before how there are just some scouts and some teams that are really good at certain positions. Like the Packers are phenomenal at picking out offensive linemen. And so maybe not everyone will hit, but two of these three hit and you've got your future right there um, with the picks last, last season. Right. That's, that's all five that you need for years to come. Um and I've seen so many videos of all three of these guys, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, and Rashid Walker, going up against elite edge rushers. This isn't just mm-hmm. players um, that haven't seen kind of NFL-level talent before in college. They did, and they were able to shut them down. I think it was Zach Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, against... Um, like someone who is Jermaine Johnson, maybe it was someone who was taken in the first round, just completely
0: shut him down. Maybe Sean Ryan sh- had one against uh, Kevin Thibodeau, which Caelan was, Thibodeau, that so season, all was him. Yeah.
1: Of, just like could not do anything against him. And again, that's not some kind of knock against Kevin Thibodeau, right? He's an amazing player. He was taken 10th to the giants for a reason, but again, the Packers are scouting these guys who come from big programs, who see elite talent, and you know that they're going to be able
0: to stack up when it comes to the NFL. Yeah, and I don't think it would be a stretch at this point to say that two, if not all three, are are making this roster. I think the Packers are very intentional and specific about where they bring in competition, and the fact that these are also open to guard spots. No disrespect to a guy like Royce Newman, but I think a lot of these guys understand that the competition for that best five is what pushes these guys. And we don't have Lucas Patrick anymore. We don't have Billy Turner. There's not a lot of versatility from some of these guys. So you're looking at Zach Tom, maybe, you know, could be the guy that comes in and he becomes the Lucas Patrick on the roster for the next six years where he's just always able to play at a number of different spots. So I was listening to, sorry, finish your thought. No, I was just going to say, I really like the depth that they brought in this year.
1: Yeah. Me too. I mean, again, like this, it doesn't surprise me. Packers taking three offensive linemen in the draft does not surprise me at all. I love that it's at different points too in the draft. It used to be like much later and now they think they're grabbing talent like we saw last year too, right, earlier. Um, I was listening to Mina Kaim's show on the plane <sighs> and I she was interviewing someone from PFF. And so immediately I'm thinking, oh, good, they're going to hate the Packers draft. And actually his favorite late, I think it was Austin Gale, his favorite late round pick of the entire draft was the Packers taking Zach Tom. Just like great value. Um, And a player, like you said, he's going to be super versatile and, you know, is more likely to hit just because the Packers took him.
0: Yeah. And the, the last thing I'll say about Zach Tom before we move on is just, I love that he played center and left tackle. Like those are such two very specific spots that, you know, it's it's nice. The Packers don't really have a true center, I guess, outside of Hansen, um, on their roster right now to be a backup to Josh Myers. So yeah. just to be able to to go from center to left tackle, it's very Elton Jenkins-esque. And it's not that I want to compare him to Elton Jenkins, but the Packers do look for, you know, those those big guys that can line up just about anywhere. So Let's talk about the wide receivers next. We touched on Watson, obviously the second round pick, but then we have Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada, who was their fourth round selection. And then Samori Toure was a seventh round grab out of Nebraska. And Twitter really, really enjoyed both of those picks, as did I. Me too. I, I
1: think you and I both talked about Romeo Dobbs going into this as maybe like a sleeper for the Packers. And you can see why, right? Like He was so productive in college. Um, He also was on special teams. Again, like you're looking at a guy who's taken on later rounds, you expect him to produce in special teams. And I think that he's going to, and he's super athletic um, and is going to be your deep threat. You you know, you lose MVS in free agency and you bring in someone who I think can immediately fill that role as like the big playmaker that MVS was. Um, Obviously he's a later round pick, so there's some polishing that needs to happen, but you know, you get into that room and year two, year three, maybe you see him becoming more of that crisper route runner. And I think that he has just like such a high ceiling ahead of him.
0: Yeah, my favorite Dobbs stat is that his first collegiate touch, he returned upon 80 yards for a touchdown. So if, <laughs> like Cobb in his first game. <laughs> if there's one thing that I think he's going to make an immediate impact on, it'll definitely be special team. So he's really exciting, fourth-rounder. We know the Packers have had some success there, obviously. You mentioned MVS is probably the most recent example of a mid-round guy hitting for them. Um, Samori Toure is also – A lot of fun. He's pretty quick. A lot of these guys, of course, have, you know, just explosive RAS, really strong athletes. And I think the only knock against even Watson is just that they maybe have played against a lesser level of competition when you're not taking them from a school like Alabama or Ohio state. But still, I think when you watch them against that talent, they, they kind (laughs) of dominate. They, they had a lot of success uh, from their own respective schools.
1: Yeah. I, I guess I get that
0: um, kind
1: of opinion of, you know, where where they get taken. But at the same time, if you look at historic, especially even just the Packers players, right? Tay was from Fresno State. James Jones was from um, San Jose State. Cobb came from Kentucky. So I don't necessarily think that the kind of competition you had in, in college will Dictate, you know, the kind of player you are when it comes to the NFL. Um, but at the same time, you know, you are all of a sudden going up against the best corners to do it. So there will be some, you know, gotta be a little. Got it. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Some growing pains. Growing pains. Thank you. That's yeah. exactly what I was going. For. I mean, yeah, yeah there's, there there's going to be some growing pains. But again, I think there's growing pains for for every rookie. I'm really excited about Torrey. I actually was kind of surprised that he fell to the seventh round. Um, He was just one maybe in the later rounds that I had noticed, um, but again, has all the traits that the Packers like and would be a perfect person to like start on on special teams and is so fast. I think that's the one thing I noticed about what the Packers have brought in between all three of these wide receivers is speed. And they really haven't had that, right? Like Adams wasn't the speediest guy. He had great play speed, right? But you don't think of him as this like speedster and no one else on the roster I think I can think of besides MVS and they lost him. So now
0: you get three really, really
1: fast wide receivers,
0: yeah, my biggest decision right now is if I want to get a Dobbs jersey because every time my guy on Twitter is with the Packers, it just feels right. I have A.J. Dillon, so I'm going to need a new wide receiver jersey at some point anyway. But
1: You've hit like every year so far.
0: <laughs> not last year. Not not recently. I guess Dillon is the most yeah. recent. But All right, so then we have the final three defensive prospects that the Packers picked in the draft, kind of sandwiched in the middle of – Day three, we've got Kingsley and Igbarre out of South Carolina, a really good linebacker surprising. He fell to the fifth round Tariq Carpenter, the safety that I'm really excited about out of Georgia tech. And then Jonathan Ford, a defensive tackle out of Miami. And I thought, you know, it, I thought those were all very much expected picks for the Packers. And I really like the value that they got with each of those selections.
1: Yep. I was going to say the same thing. Value is huge. I think Kingsley, apparently people call him JJ,
0: JJ, the jet plane.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Falling to the fifth round might be one of the best valued picks like in the entire draft. Cause I think he was projected to go um, in the nineties. So incredible. Um, And the rest, you know, Tariq and Jonathan Ford, always great to have depth in those rooms. Safety to me is the one position that I'm surprised the Packers didn't take just given, I know they picked up Savage's fifth year option, but you know, you just need depth there and they don't really have that. So either way, even if he is safety kind of hybrid linebacker, you know that they're going to play on special teams. Um, and he actually said, you know, he's excited to just get on the field and do whatever he can for the team. So that's where you kind of expect these guys to slot into. Um, potentially though uh, Kingsley, you know, can if he proves himself like be in that edge rusher rotation yeah. pretty early beside Um, Smith and Rashawn Gary. So there's definitely, definitely room for him to make an impact as a starter.
0: Yeah. One of the things that stands out to me when you watch um, JJ is that he's like just aggressive, you know, like he's got really aggressive hands and I think, you know, pairing him with a guy like Rashawn Gary is going to be really exciting. I think he can definitely come in and compete for a start or not a starting spot, but you know what I mean? Like that kind of third rotational spot that's really up for grabs in that room um Tariq Carpenter has he's such a fun story you know with his mom being a Packers fan I love that he got to come play for the team that way but he has such an interesting size where he's like you know could be inside linebacker could be safety I think they'll start him at safety but just that versatility for Joe Barry to be able to use him like a chess piece anywhere we talked about Quay Walker already and obviously there's a talent discrepancy here at this point, but just those kind of size versatile pieces, which we're seeing so much more of in the NFL with guys like Jeremy Chin, Isaiah Simmons. So it's it's fun to have those kind of guys on your roster that can line up just about anywhere. And again, he's another, another guy that should make an immediate impact on special teams.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, we've seen, right, Joe Barry use a lot of nickel, less dime. And when he does use dime, it's usually with a safety. So it could be you know, like I said earlier, depending on coverage ability and, you know, the situation, but a guy like Quay Walker or Tariq Carpenter could come in in some of those packages and and fill that role for Barry instead of pulling in um, another corner. Speaking of corner, I'm curious, are you surprised they didn't take a single one? I know they drafted some undrafted free, they were not drafted, they signed some undrafted free agents, but I always think corner is just a position you should always grab at least one in the draft.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a stat about the Packers hadn't not taken a DB or they only had missed on a DB like once in like the last 20 years. It was like 2006 or something and they didn't take a DB. I know Tariq Carpenter technically listed as safety kind of kind yeah. of checks that box then as a DB, but I don't know. I think you know, given like Shamar John Charles, we're expecting to see a jump healthy Jair signing Rasul Eric Stokes in year two. I, that's probably what I'm most excited about for this defense. So I think that room is really good. I think the safety thing that you brought up already is what surprised me. And I think had the Packers stayed pat at their, their second rounders and not traded up, maybe we would have seen a safety kind of move there. But at that point, the safeties all kind of fell off the board really quickly at the end of the first round. And at that point, when you prioritize Watson, didn't leave any of kind of that elite tier of safeties left. But if yeah. that's not the move next next early in the draft, I'll be surprised. But that's not that's not what we need to talk about. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh, that's that's a ways yeah, away. I yeah, I mean there were the,
1: the top safeties were still on the board in the first round. Obviously, the Packers don't didn't prioritize either Dax Hill or Lewis scene. That's fine. Um a little mad that Scene went to the Vikings because I really love that for them and I He's hate it a the Packers. Yeah, I really kind of hate that. But It's just interesting, but I do agree with you. I think that the DB room in general is really well-rounded and there's a lot of pieces for Joe Barry to use. And we've been talking all of last season when Jair was out, like, what are they going to do when he's healthy? Because they have too many. But um, we'll be interesting, I guess, to see how they use Tariq Carpenter or if, like, Vernon Scott finally makes some kind Mm -hmm. of development and and they can use him in that role too.
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, the guys that were in those roles, like Henry Black, didn't stick around, I think – tells us what we needed to know about how the Packers value either the players that are in the room or that position in general. And and I still think the depth is a concern at this point if something were to happen to Amos or Savage, but that's not for us to figure out. We don't work at 1265. So that's, uh, we'll just talk about it when it happens, I guess, on the podcast. But uh, just really quickly wrapping up with Jonathan Ford, um, not as athletic maybe as some of the other defensive tackles that, you know, were the Packers were looking at, he's definitely not going to be a Devonte Wyatt, but I do like him as a run stuffer. And I did think that it was kind of funny that he knew TJ Slayton so they can be some big boys in the middle of the line. Isn't together. Mm-hmm.
1: That's funny. Yep. I love that. I
0: mean, yeah, you're getting like Packers are now like the sec
1: of the North at this point when you get Stokes with his two, two buddies. Um, yeah, I, I actually noticed that Jonathan Ford was the only outlier when it came to athleticism. But yeah. again, like the Packers had, what they took ten guys this draft. You need you only need to hit on a handful, and you hope that the the other handful can can contribute in other ways. So um, definitely curious to see what he does. But again, I think defensive line depth is always important.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you've got guys like Jack Heflin already as kind of an undrafted holdover from last season. So I think that bottom portion of the the tackle room or the defensive line room is going to be really intriguing to see kind of how that stuff shakes out. Uh, We've got rookie minicamp this weekend. So we'll have next week an episode about rookie minicamp and the undrafted free agents that the Packers brought in. Um, Yeah. Any final thoughts maybe about the NFC North and the draft that Some of the other teams had any, any favorite moves? I know Lewis seen going to the Vikings sucked. Yeah. I hate that.
1: Um, Honestly, the lions knocked it out of the park. Yeah, Um, I hope the lions are competitive. I think it'd be really fun to finally see that team succeed. And I love Dan Campbell and I really like some of the picks that they made. The rest of it. I don't know. I mean, We'll, all The Bears' season is completely contingent upon Justin Fields' development, and I have no idea what the Vikings are doing. So we will <laughs> see. But I think, you you know, you asked about dra- a draft grade earlier, and I don't love those because I have mm-hmm. not yet to see the Packers take one. But I really give them like a solid B+. I, I just think it was a really, really solid draft. I'm very satisfied. I think that was the gut reaction for me after day three is like very satisfied with what the Packers took. And I think they filled some immediate holes and I cannot wait to see what these rookies do when it comes time to play in September.
0: Yeah, maybe I'm just a very lenient grader and that's why my students like me, but I, I would give the draft probably like an A minus. I agree. It just satisfied was the word. And naturally, you know, people at work will come up to me and say, well, what do you think of the draft? And I'm like, I really liked it. I know that wasn't like, you know, if you looked on the internet, that maybe wasn't the immediate reaction that a lot of people had, but I just thought it was a very solid draft that didn't make any, I mean, maybe Christian Watson, you could argue, was like the splashy move, but it was just a very reliably solid draft that hit on all the areas that we thought the Packers needed to hit on. As far as the NFC North is concerned, I'm going to jump off a building if Jaquan Brisker picks off Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to be very upset about that. Um, And Josh Pascal going to the Lions also sucks, but that's why we don't have too many draft crushes because they always end up Playing where we don't want them to. Yep. Uh-huh. You can find us next week, like we said, talking about the undrafted free agents and rookie minicamp. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at pwss podcast or Packs What She Said on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitch. We'll maybe bring the Twitch lives back, you know, once we have things to talk about. Once we get closer to training camp, and um, you can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pecco. Go Pack Go.